0: Washington Post critic Dessen Thompson called this movie subtly riotous. Mick LaSalle of the San Francisco Chronicle noted, All in all, it's a misfire, but a misfire that's more interesting than a lot of successes. And Nick Rogers from the film YAP said, in a subgenre littered with films worth forgetting, Here's one that's good enough and smart enough. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Stuart Saves His Family. Reboot. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhood Podcast. Greetings, starfighters. Welcome to Ruined Childhoods. I am Dan. I'm John. We're the hosts. (laughs) We like to talk about movies and we like to speculate about whether there should be sequels, prequels, remakes, reboots, and adaptations, and board games and VR experiences and just different ways to take the movies we love and scavenger hunts. Give them Uh, a. Art galleries. I don't oh. know. Oh, boy. You said scavenger hunt, and you know what movie I thought of immediately?
1: National Treasure?
0: No, because okay. I'm me. Uh, Midnight Madness. Oh, what's Midnight Madness? Midnight Madness. So our uh, our Gen X listeners uh, <laughs> who watched a lot of HBO as kids are are right now. Oh yeah. Um Midnight Madness was it was a movie about like a scavenger hunt. And it was like this like citywide scavenger hunt. A young Michael J. Fox oh. appears. Uh, I want to say David Naughton is in it. Uh Paul Rubens uh makes an appearance. Interesting. Uh yeah, it's a I remember it being a really fun movie. It's kind of one of those, it's one of those cult hits, but I think just cult hits among people who have nostalgia for it from watching it, uh, you know, over and over again on HBO in the eighties, but yeah, midnight. Anyway, you said scavenger hunt. I thought midnight made midnight madness, but yes, national treasure as, as well. Hey, Dan, with your permission, I'd like to plug a couple of things. Is that okay? Plug away.
1: Okay. So uh, for anybody who is maybe new or maybe you just haven't heard me talk about this, I, I work for an organization that is cinema-centric. It's called Pam PAMCUT, uh, Portland Art Museum Center for an Untold Tomorrow. And what we do is a lot of uh, film screenings, uh, experiential film screenings, some uh, exhibition-type work that's uh, local here to Portland, uh we also have some things that are not exclusive to portland um we have you know an educational component to what we do that we call the co-laboratory co colon laboratory and uh, aside from the in-person stuff that we have we have a few virtual offerings that i wanted to talk about real quick um we have one, and Dan, I think that you might actually really like this one. It's called the Gooey Eighties, and it's Uh-oh. all about—I know, right? And it's all about uh, practical effects and like body horror films, and not—it's not like a how they were made kind of thing, but it's more of like a what was the significance of them kind of thing, and like what 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 did they really mean? Like what were they? really speaking to about what was going on in the world during that time. So it's a really fascinating look at those, you know, David Cronenberg movies and, you know, all those kind of like body morphing movies. So uh, that's uh, over the course of three Saturdays towards the end of June. So uh, def- I think it starts June 14th, if that's that Monday. Uh, sorry, that's that Saturday. Anyway, um it's on pamacut.org uh as well as another virtual class and this one's just one session but it's all about the art of poster design and Ooh. it's actually taught by a a major poster designer whose work people have probably seen um the the instructor for that her name is Akiko she's amazing she does some incredible artwork she uh actually i don't know if it's still going on but in new york had or has a gallery show at uh uh, poster Atati, which is a movie poster art gallery, and they sell, you know, really nice, like limited, limited edition prints of movie posters, um, really deluxe stuff. So uh, those are a couple of virtual classes that I just wanted to promote really quick because they're coming up. And uh, I think that they'd be really fun for anybody who's looking to... Uh, I don't know, learn a little bit, ex- expand their knowledge about what's going on in the world of cinema, maybe something
0: that's new or something that's from the gooey-gooey 80s. That sounds awesome, John. Uh, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Uh, as I'm listening, as I'm wondering, it, so Portland Art Museum, you're, of course, referring to Portland, Oregon. Correct. Um, what type of, uh, like, there? there's a Portland, Maine. Yeah. I imagine they have an art museum. The Portland Museum of Art. Oh. And what's okay. really funny is sometimes I'll be at the museum
1: and somebody will be like, Where can I find this exhibition on German, whatever? And I'm just like, You'll find that in Maine because yeah. that's at the Portland Museum of Art in Portland, Maine. <laughs> <laughs> so if you walk this way and don't stop for about, you know, half a year you'll finally get there.
0: I imagine like a monthly uh like meeting of representatives in the middle of the country just to exchange like the mail. Oh yeah, yeah, you oh you got our Oh okay, yeah, so that went to you. I
1: feel like there's also like a Portland, Texas. Like, you know, a much smaller less like metropolitan situation, but I think that there's, you know, a couple of other Portlands here and there throughout the
0: country. Uh- I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like Portland, Maine, and Portland, Oregon are the those are the big ones. Those are the those are the ones on the map. Yeah, you know no, representing I mean, no, the Northeast
1: every, <laughs> on the map.
0: <laughs> every city is on a map, clearly. I mean, unless it's like a lost city or like uh something from Indiana Jones, in which case it's on some type of map that he has to find, um, or like National Treasure. Uh Ooh. so That makes yeah, me like, think
1: of Scavenger Hunts, Dan. Scavenger Hunts. Oh, you know what movie that makes me think of?
0: Midnight. Madness,
1: Oh, I've just heard about that movie. It's so weird.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. no. people in a young Michael J. Fox. ok. <laughs> so let's, let's before we along.
1: before we fully dip in to our movie of the week, Stuart saves his family because we are talking. Uh, In the the months of May and June, we're talking about family movies, you know, Father's Day, Mother's Day are happening. But let's talk, let's just kind of open it up the whole family. And uh, I wanted to first, before we get into actually talking about the movie, uh, share a very special pour one out to an actor that is in Stuart Saves' family who just passed away. Uh, You would know him if you watched... Wayne's World, you know, a lot of these like Lorne Michaels, you know, nineties
0: productions. Mike Hagerty, who who did pass away recently, you wouldn't yeah, you know him. He's got like the that the mustache. Really he's a Chicago big guy. Face in, yeah, Chicago. Yeah. He's either he's either a cop or like in Wayne's world, he's the guy who who's at the he's at the counter talking to Ed O'Neill about like get losing his job. Yeah. And and Ed O'Neill's like, yeah, you know what? I would go and, and stab the guy. And he's like, uh, I got I don't one of those I... once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyway, but Mike Ed, it, it actually it made me think of 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 other movies set in Chicago, mainly cop movies. Because I I feel like police movies set in Chicago, there's always a couple of actors that you always see. Like they're in the fug- they're in the fugitive. They're like the two main cops. Uh-huh in the future the the suspect's name is dr richard kimmel now we all hate this piece of shit so let's get like that guy and and then there's the chicago comedy like players who are in all of and all of these especially the snl ones you know dan something that i was just thinking about recently is how
1: with you know we grew up in new jersey but because of saturday night live and like the the comedy scene that saturday night live brought into the world i feel like the idea of comedy that we were informed about we didn't realize how chicago centric it was and we were being fed all of these sketches about chicago guys and it was just like i don't know like the it It seems so universal, but it's like, no, those guys in that bar only like Chicago teams, and they speak in a very specific way that's only funny because it's a very Chicago way of speaking, right. It, right. You know, you just well, have like,
0: yeah. I feel like SNL did that, has done that to you know it's the cities with the fun accents because I know they did with Boston, uh, like Jimmy Fallon back in the day, like when they would do do a sketch and uh, right, like yeah. the Boston they'd be talking about the socks go sock Noma yeah Noma Noma's right. gonna hit a homer and- yeah
1: yeah that's actually really that's interesting and I know that um, is it is it Anna Gasteyer who's from. Boston, or um, I don't know. I've, oh, Rachel Dratch. Rachel Dratch mm. is from Boston area, and I know that like she brought a lot of like Boston into oh SNL she's during that yes time.
0: she was the uh, she's in the sketch with him exactly with, with yeah. Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. So
1: it is. It's really interesting how it's like these comedians, these sketch comics, really bring these elements of their hometowns to SNL, which kind of like boosts it around and kind of makes it feel like it's part of everybody's experience because I don't know there's something and and especially because in the you know in the 90s there were all of these SNL movies that were coming out you know aside from uh, Stuart Sachs's family which takes place in Chicago and
0: you know in the Midwest Right. right yeah. When he's
1: in well, the city, that's Chicago. Well, and, and
0: yeah, we'll come back. I want to, uh, well, of course, we're going to come back to stories. Yeah. It's family. It's I'm what, curious to
1: know about. where It's Pat took place, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was Chicago. You have oh. Wayne's World, which took place near Chicago. So there's just a lot of like Chicago. I don't know where Coneheads, uh, I can't remember where Coneheads took place. Jersey. Was it Jersey. in Jersey?
0: Yeah. Coneheads, they live in, they live in Jersey. Um, uh, I'm looking to see where it's Pat filmed. Not the Yeah. I mean, no, of course it filmed in Los Angeles. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but what was I going to say? It's also, these are, these are cities that have these big comedy scenes. Now, of course there's the right. there's New York and LA comedy, but, Especially in the 90s, like the Boston comedy scene, like comics coming out of Boston, where it was like, uh, if you were a comic from Boston and you got on like TV, you did like a late night show, you Mm -hmm. got a sitcom. Right. Right. So like Boston was big and Chicago, of course, is Second City. And a lot of yeah. the, you know, that's where it, when the all of the Toronto comedians, because that's really the other that's like, I feel like. Sure. Yeah. I feel like Chicago is where like the Toronto comics enter America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they get in through through Chicago uh and get into that into that scene because that's where you're know, like Aykroyd, uh Ackroyd was, but also you have Belushi there because he was from yeah. Chicago. Um, All the, it's like, yeah, if you're Midwestern, that's where you gravitate the, Farley. Well, the entire
1: Murray family,
0: you oh, know, yeah. blasted us with the Midwest. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, so there are these little like, uh, Oh, comedy oases in, in the Midwest, Chicago, and then, you know, in, in the Northeast for, for Boston. uh, And, you know, I'm sure there are, there are Philly, like you could, I'm sure SNL could do that, like a similar type sketch for a city like Philly and they right. probably have, right. and I might not have seen it, but like a, a city that has a very, I mean, and, and most, all cities have like a distinct character, but like with a lot of, Energy, like I don't know if, if a like a Seattle sketch would would be very uh, laconic. Uh,
1: well, I mean, and who's to say where the next batch of you know sketch comedy people are going to be coming from? Uh, it's interesting, and, and you know, just to kind of bring things to the movie that we're talking about this week, you know, Al Franken, uh, born in New York, grew up in Minnesota, so you which have is- the. Which, which is? is
0: which is where the Smalley family lives. Which is where the, the Smalley
1: movie. family lives. Uh, also, where Al Franken would go on to, um, you know, uh, plant his flag in the Senate, um, albeit uh, a little, a little abrupt. We can get into that if you want. <laughs>
0: I don't think we need to talk about Al Franken's uh, about about the end of. We don't need to talk about Al Franken's political career. No, at the all. only thing I, I will say
1: is that. he did the right thing after doing a wrong thing. Yeah, that's all I will say about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Absolutely. you know, at this uh, during this time in the '90s, when he was you know working in comedy and uh, created this character of Stuart Smalley. You know, this is a sketch that is so weird and specific, and it's kind of incredible that it got turned into a movie. I think that that was just part of the experimentation of the whole SNL movie movement of
0: the era. Yeah, yeah, but it, it it it's an interesting one. It makes me think like especially when like for years especially after Wayne's World was it yeah. was a hit, they were like, "Oh, Sprockets." Like this, they were talking about the Sprockets movie like into the 2000s.
1: Well, I just heard a um an interview with Mike Myers where he was saying that that's a character he still wants to bring back and still <laughs> think he could bring back. Dieter it, Eight, which
0: is so he, good. I, 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 I wonder if... I think Mike Myers should make a show that are just all of his characters because he plays like eight characters in his new show. So why can't he which just... Which I want to talk about for a second. Oh, okay. Because oh. I
1: watched it and I feel like that is a perfect example of what we do on this podcast because that show is exactly what we would have probably suggested had we covered So I Married an Axe Murderer, which... One of my favorite movies. Uh, I love it. It's a comfort movie for me. And uh, that show comes out of the movie So I Married an Axe Murderer. There's a scene where... You're looking at me like you don't know this. I
0: don't know this.
1: Okay, Dan, if you remember the scene where younger Mike Myers is with Anthony LaPaglia and he takes him uh, to have dinner with his parents and his father... uh, Stuart, I believe. No, Stuart is the son. Uh, Stuart! Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hey! Uh, Yeah, so, you know, he plays the Scottish father, and he and his, and the mother, Brenda Fricker, are uh, conspiracy theorists. They read the Weekly World News, and uh, his father especially, also played by Mike Myers, is a big conspiracy theorist, and he's talking about the Pentavirid. I and got he it. mentions Colonel Sanders in his beady yes. little eyes. And yes. that and, and so the Pentaveret is what this new show is on Netflix. And it references the Colonel and you know as being part of it. And it's uh I, you know, I enjoyed the Pantaveret for just what it was. And I I think that you just need to really know all of those weird Mike Myers isms that and, and, you know, just like let it happen. There were some moments that made me like really laugh hard. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a particular fan of, you know, when, when having to leave somewhere, saying like, you know, I'm gonna go like make like a tree or whatever. I just think that that's fun. And he does this one as this one of his characters. He just said, "I'm gonna make like a baby and head out," and I. I lost it. <laughs> have you not heard that one before? I've never heard that one before. Oh. <laughs> but the way he one. said it was so good. Oh, that's it was wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's definitely a show that's of this era. A lot of, you know, the conspiracy theory stuff has just really gone off into a, a well, whole other direction. Yeah. So that's yeah, all certainly that's... addressed. But um, anyway, let's talk about... Let's go back to Al Franken a little bit.
0: So Al Franken. So he he this sketch on SNL uh, where he played Stuart Smalley, who a, a self-help advocate and new agey uh, recovery. I call him a
1: self-help addict.
0: A self-help addict. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and which they they do call him that in in the movie yeah. they call him a 12, 12 step addict. Yeah, I think uh, you're
1: addicted to twelve step programs.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and we'll, we'll come back to that because it does lead to some fun moments in the movie. Um, so it, it's it's interesting because uh, I want to get into and, and I want to you know hit the synopsis and yeah. then kind of get into some of this. But what's interesting is and, it, and it, it's one of the reasons one of the things that makes this movie really tricky is it's it's kind of not clear if he's making fun of it or if he's made I think I don't it's I, I've come to the conclusion that I think he's making fun of like some of the people but that he's actually and I think this movie does an excellent job of it showing that like this stuff works for people who are open to it and for people who really want to make progress yeah it works and 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 I'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more after the synopsis but i think the the movie really does an excellent job um a, an excellent job of it but the big challenge of the movie is that i think for this movie to work for you you have to accept stuart smalley as a like a real person because yeah. this movie is very much about real people people and it it is i think meant to connect and this is not like cone heads where you can right where you really just turn everything off and and chuckle and listen to soul to squeeze by the red hot chili peppers (laughs) oh my god yes that's right uh i'm picturing the exact uh scene was it farley and they're like in the car a
1: movie where chris farley is kind of just a normal guy He's the, he, uh, he's what a the weird r- choice. romantic,
0: he's the, he's the, he's like the high school love interest in it, but it's wonderful. He's, he's wonderful. In oh, it. he's great. Um, All right. So you want me to yeah, synopse this?
1: Synopsis All right. Synopsis that. I'm going to synopse this. After losing his local access self-help talk show, 12 step program addict, Stuart Smalley is notified that his beloved aunt Paula has passed away, encouraging him to return to his hometown and dysfunctional family. After a bit of funeral-centric family drama, the issue arises concerning Aunt Paula's house, which now belongs to Stewart's family. Intending to sell the house and split up the money, the one wrinkle that gets in the way of the Smalley family is an easement on the property, as a few feet of the house overlap on the neighbor's property. As Stewart tries to help with the situation, he only ends up making it worse for his family, resulting in them asking him to lie in court saying that a conversation that he had with the neighbor never happened. Unable to tell a lie, the rest of the family is outraged, further fueling his father and brother's alcoholism. It all comes to a climax when Stuart's father accidentally shoots Stuart's brother on a hunting trip, leading to a family intervention. Meanwhile, Stuart's best friend, slash one of his many 12-step sponsors, gets a lead about a television station she works with looking for a show like Stuart's. As he attempts to land the gig he ends up having to steal a tape of his show from his disgruntled ex-employer's office in order to make a copy. And even though he comes clean, he's able to get his show back and get paid for it all the while. And in the end, he's good enough, he's smart enough, and doggone it, people like him. So, as we mentioned before, Al Franken plays Stuart Smalley. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio plays his brother, Donnie. We also have Leslie Boone as his sister, Jody. Uh, we have Shirley Knight as uh, Stuart's mother. We have Harris Yulin as his father. Uh, S- uh, Laura Giacomo as Julia, his best friend and 12-step sponsor. We have, uh, in little bit, parts from Julia Sweeney as uh, his former boss's... <laughs> form, Well, assistant turned former assistant. And then uh, Joe Flaherty as a cousin in the family who starts some shit. And Robin Duke is his wife. And Robin Duke as his wife, of course. So... This movie is uh, definitely, you know, you raised an interesting point about it being pro 12-step program, pro therapy in a very weird way. Uh, and I think that those things come through mostly with Laura Sangio Como's character, you know, when she opens up about her experiences with her own family and, when it comes out of a voice like hers in a very earnest way, you definitely get the sense as you were alluding to before that it is implying that therapy and 12 step programs work for people who it's meant to work for. And, uh, but yeah, when it's Stuart who has this, I, uh, it's never actually disclosed to my knowledge what his sexual sexual orientation is. His uh, his father, refers to him as Liberace at one point, but he definitely has an effeminate way about him and and tone to his voice, but it's never actually established. There's no romantic aspect to this movie. Uh, And yeah, I don't don't know. I think that that's, it's an interesting choice. It is probably a very intentional choice.
0: I think it was very much, that's like very much of the time, like late 80s when- When he started doing this character on SNL, I mean, I don't know how much how long it was around before that, but it 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 definitely goes. It, it's interesting. It, it reminds me slightly of a character that Sasha Baron Cohen did on his Showtime show, Who Is America, uh, and mm. it's a, the character of a very liberal, woke, um, man who you know he has he wears his like NPR cap and uh uh-huh. is very intentional about pronouns and, uh-huh. and things like that and it reminds me of that character where it's like these this is not like the things that he is doing are very good but the way he goes about it is a little much right yes yes um so there's a really interesting balance of comedy and drama where sometimes it, it mixes very well. Like I thought the moment where Laura San Giacomo uh, as Julia, she's triggered in um, either sure. are at the 4th of July fireworks and Stuart is declaring independence and Julia she, uh, and she has, she has such a moment, Laura, Laura San Giacomo and I haven't seen this movie in a long time and just knowing more now and being more attuned to when people have trauma, what are the signs that they're being triggered? And Laura San Giacomo, when she has she has that moment where she pulls back and oh, like f- from Stuart. And it's it's great because she's really the strength. She's the his backbone. Yeah. Mm hmm. Uh, and and I think that what they do nicely is all of the sponsors, which it's so funny when the first time you see all of the sponsors meeting up in front yeah. of Stuart's apartment and they're all introducing them. yes i'm I'm his children of alcoholic sponsor. I'm his gambler's anonymous sponsor. I'm uh so i I think it was so so funny when they when they meet up, but they they all seem to have it together. Like, they all yeah. seem like the people who, like, this has worked for. That's why I guess they're his sure. sponsor. Yeah. I, he's not. They all seem sponsor. like they're grounded in reality. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and he is just this strange character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Dan, there, there's a few things that I wanted to um, to focus on. You know, you were talking about Laura Sangiacomo's uh, performance and, you know, her character. I want to give a major shout out to. Vincent D'Onofrio, which I think that aside from like Adventures in Babysitting or something, this was probably like my introduction to Vincent D'Onofrio because I watched this movie a ton as a kid. It was on HBO or Comedy Central or whatever. I had it taped. You had it taped. I mean, I'm sure I watched it all sorts of different ways, but Vincent D'Onofrio I remember his character so well. And what I really love about it is that despite being completely different from his brother, he loves his brother. Like they have an amazing relationship. And when things go awry, you can understand why he's pulling away from him and drifting more towards their father. And right. it's uh it's his performance is just so brilliant in that way. And, and it's so funny to think about any performance in a movie like this as being like so impactful. But, you know, this movie really hits its dramatic notes hard. And, you know, the, the whole alcoholism aspect of everything. And and Dan, there is an aspect that I do want to talk to you about that relates to another movie from this era. Now, Dan, this movie has a connection to a movie that came out the following year, that was that's one of our favorite movies.
0: Do you know which one I'm talking about? So a 1996 movie yes. that would be one of our one of our favorites. What are, one of our favorite uh movies and also television series. Wait, the movie and the and the television series? Well, we're yeah. we are
1: quite fond of the television series and we've gone on record over and over again talking about it.
0: Oh, I uh geez. Uh takes place be, in the
1: Midwest.
0: It oh take oh shit. I am I, I'm I'm drawing such a I'm nothing that's coming to my mind is you're, right. You're gonna be so embarrassed when I say the word Fargo. Oh Fargo, shit, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I I guess I wasn't oh are oh are you talking what? I did think of Fargo while I was watching this because of where they are when Donnie gets shot. Yes.
1: The father shoots Donnie near Brainerd, which is where the where everything happens in Fargo. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So as soon as he said Brainerd, I was like, oh, my God, I've only heard of Brainerd in one other place. And and it's so funny that both of them
0: include shootings. And <laughs> I thought I thought of that. I thought of that as, as well. Uh you know, something else I want to jump into in terms yep. of the the dramatic part, there's there are some, some scenes that I think really work well. And I kind of wish that we had the input of somebody who had gone through, like, re- you know, recovery and counseling to talk yeah. about this movie, because what I'm saying, I'm saying, well, to me, this seems like it's a really insightful part, but I'm just, that's just my impression. Uh, but when... So, so first, all, all the flashbacks uh, yes. that show the the trauma and yeah, the emotional know, they, abuse, they show that he's being picked on. But what the one that I want to talk about is actually the one where he talks about, hey, like, you know, you know, sometimes my dad was this really great guy. Yeah. And I think they I, I feel like they kind of hit the nail on the head in saying, like, yes, that's. That you know, um, when you're in an abusive relationship, you you do you will go and think of the good things and say, oh yeah, and and it's such a great scene. They lose the mean neighbor who's also in all of those like '90s comedy movies. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he takes he takes their the football from the kids, and uh, when Harris Eulin gets when he gets home from work and they tell him. Uh, he go. He marches over there to get the ball. The kids are following him. He walks into this guy's workshop and says, "Why don't you pick on somebody with pubic hair?" Yeah, <laughs> and so, like and so so. It, uh, in terms of commitment to character, and I I have the note about Vincent D- D'Onofrio as well. Harris Eulin. <laughs> really? Okay. Harris Eulin is amazing in this movie, and I gotta say, nobody
1: wears a comically small necktie like Harris yulin <laughs> who uh, in that scene I, I don't know what his job is supposed to be but he wears this uniform that involves a necktie that I feel like just like the, short. It's like the, like, the Maytag, like the I think like a Maytag like the Maytag repairman, repairman. Yeah. yeah. He's wearing a tie that's like slightly too small. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. And then there's another uh scene maybe it's when they're at the funeral for ann Paula and uh, his tie is just so little, and it just works so well for Harris Eulin.
0: and that, um, and the yeah. ca- the character a- a- as well. Uh, um, well, yeah. So I thought, and and, and they also, and, and you know, S- S- Stuart does make the point that he's like, oh yeah, but then this happened, and we were reminded that he's uh, an alcoholic. Um, the scene where they are talking about the intervention, yeah, where they're planning the intervention and. This scene is played so for real uh, about what each member of the family is willing to do. Are they willing to basically cut off their relationship with the father right. if he doesn't stop drinking? And Shirley Knight, I think, has uh an an awesome is is really awesome in this scene. And and she has she has a lot of great moments where you see her, um, oh, before this scene, when, when she really goes off on Stuart, when, like, Stort comes back after Donnie's been shot, and he's like, hey, mom, I bet you're cooking up a storm. Yeah. This is also after they've all read excerpts from his journal where he talks shit Which about all Donnie of them. copied, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and... And she's like, you know, you think I'm cooking and cleaning all the time and you think I'm having the time of my life. It is not fun. And she like really gets in his face. She's like, it is not fun. You see how miserable she is, but also how uh, wives were so expected to be to fill that specific role. Wives of that generation. Yeah. Yeah. you know, and it was so like, no, this is what you have to do. It doesn't matter if it's fun. So I I like that they, I like that the script also puts sure. that uh, story. I, I do want
1: to acknowledge, though, that at the beginning she is cooking up a storm for Aunt Paula's funeral reception. And indicates that, you know, it's like she's like, well, like I always say, better to have too much and all that kind of stuff. And so it's it's you know, it seems like it's her way of coping. Um, And, you know, it's kind of maybe just her way of burying the the you know, the feelings that she's having. And now that things have opened up with their family and like have kind of cracked open, she is feeling comfortable and free to say what she has to say. That she hasn't been able to do before.
0: Well, and I think it's also like you know making a lot of food for Aunt Paula, who died of of presumably natural causes, versus you know your son has been shot by your husband. Yeah. So yeah. Th- I also I want the-
1: to I I also want to acknowledge something, uh, Dan. You know, uh, mm-hmm. for anybody who is new to the show, Dan and I are brothers. We grew up in the same household, and we are very fortunate in that we did not grow up in a situation like this at all. No, we no. uh, there is not a problem with alcohol, and we are very fortunate in that way. And that is not the situation for a lot of people. And we want to. I just want to acknowledge that. You know, we're talking about this fictional family that's having this problem, but I don't want to make anybody think that we are speaking. F- to this from a place you know of experience you know the only way that we can lend our thoughts is from what you know we've we've seen and what this movie is showing us so it's right. not coming from personal experience
0: No 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 but we we are both i would say you know uh, have edu- have educated ourselves and have you know, have sought out to you know learn and learn from the experiences of others, so it comes from a place of of uh, empathy. Empathy, yeah, yeah, but but certainly not not experience, and also it it, it it's it's what it's again coming back to it, what makes this movie so challenging. Mm-hmm. To and and I like this movie. I really like this movie. Well, one thing that we haven't talked about yet is who directed this. It's a Harold Ramis movie. uh, Yes, and that's where I was – that's kind of – that's what I was thinking is, yeah, Harold Ramis directed this. I don't think it would have been made if Harold – apparently, like, that was Al Franken was like, this is – Harold Ramis will direct it or it's not going to happen. Oh. (laughs) So Harold Ramis uh, really – it took on a challenge with this movie because, like I said, you have this – absurd character uh character like um like characterization of of Stuart Smalley interacting and and showing the effects of these you know very serious things so I I I I imagine this movie was was kind of doomed. To begin with, because it 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 takes I don't think most movie going audiences are going to walk in and see that. And, you know, it's like I think they want all or nothing. They don't want to go see an SNL movie and end up seeing, you know, uh, clean and sober.
1: Right. Yeah. It's. It's too bad that this movie was never going to really succeed. I think it did better than It's Pat, for what it's worth. It's Pat the movie. But uh, probably only by a slim margin and probably only because of Harold Ramis. And I want to say that it's like Harold Ramis that made this movie work, that put in those elements that seem like, you know, just nothing moments, but that come back later. You know, all Mm. of those elements that just make movies Tend to work, and you know when you're looking at Harold Ramis's filmography, this is right in between Groundhog Day and Multiplicity, Multiplicity, which we talked about on this show. Both of those, and so um, you know, I feel like coming off of Groundhog Day, especially, I I wonder how this movie impacted Harold Ramis with its uh, lack of success compared to Groundhog Day. You know, we were talking about two movies that have a very different lasting impression. Uh, Groundhog Day is talked about at least once a year, <laughs> uh, if not more, by like everybody. And yeah. Stuart Saves' family is talked about two dudes on a, uh, on a podcast and probably not too many other people. It's not easy to find. You know, I had to rented online and yeah. um i imagine that our rentals of this movie were probably the uh the first in a
0: while for this one yeah no i actually got a thank you card from al franken <laughs> yeah. it just said really all right yeah thanks he's <laughs> like i got this i got this notification i don't know. I, he, I'm yeah sure. yeah
1: um But, you know, like I said, this is one that played a lot. I'm sure that it was like really cheap for HBO or Comedy Central or whatever to be able to show. And uh, I'm grateful for it because there were a lot of moments watching it where it's like I remembered every detail from the scenes and I haven't seen it since I was a kid. And there's moments. So like one of the funny things that's going on is Stuart, you know, in Chicago is a waiter And uh, uh, Julia, Laura Sanjucoma's character, you know, comes to eat there and he has these conversations with her. And then anytime someone's looking, he like pretends to be doing his waiter thing. And the way that he's like pretending to talk about gazpacho sticks out (laughs) in my head big time. Uh, There's so many uh, Vincent D'Onofrio lines that stick out for me.
0: So the ones and uh, yeah, so I wanted to ask you because there's definitely a few that I actually quote regularly and like weave into conversation. Oh, like what? Uh, I'm shooting my I'm shooting all over myself. I'm shooting all over myself is a really I, good one. I I mean I'm I swear like since I saw this movie for the first time. That has been one that I've used and adapted, and like you know, I've done it in advice with with like kids if they're coming to me you're just like oh I should have done this I should have I said look there's no point in shooting all over yourself yeah uh, so <laughs> I've I've used that from the, one of the restaurant scenes and we've talked about this actor before Garrett Graham yeah. who has what I love it he's this re, just a really frustrated patron and Stuart is taking his order and just being awful and it, like he's got a follow-up question for everything the guy orders and when he orders salad and he's like and i want the creamy ranch dressing and sir goes on the side and he goes yeah on the salad yeah uh <laughs> I
1: there's it. there was also some lines that like i didn't pick up on when i was a kid because i was a kid so there's the moment where he is um doing his show. And he goes, uh, but today I've decided to take a risk and wear a new sweater. It was sent to me by a recovering sex addict, Melissa D, who knitted her knitted it herself. She said it gave her something to do with her hands. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I love that one. Uh, I love the line. And this one I didn't really get when I was a kid, but it was uh, in the narration, my father grew up in the Great Depression, his mother's. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like (laughs) I always liked that one. I liked uh oh, there was there's the scene like the first night and when and he's staying in Donnie's room and he has to move and just hearing the way he says bong when he has to move Donnie's boss. Donnie, can I move your bong? (laughs) Yeah. it's great.
1: Um you know, and then there's just certain moments like when he's remembering to the past about their trip to la and when oh. his father was you know got drunk and woke up too late and promised the daughter that he'd take her to get a picture in front of the hollywood sign and all that kind of stuff happened. yeah and so that scene just like totally sticks up in my mind the um the sir cleans a lot bit you know sticks out for me whoever played the kid
0: version of him was so good yeah um yeah anyway and it's sad those scenes and the when the mom's like oh well uh, I don't want you to be disappointed when you lose oh totally she's awful yeah, yeah. It, but it, it, I just I wonder how many people saw this or if they saw it would would really identify would look at that and say my god yeah I
1: I think that this movie is more relatable and more, like, poignant than it should be, you know, as being a comedy with this eccentric character at the center. And my question, and this is leading into where I would want to take this, is just, like, does this movie need to be rewritten just as a drama and, you know, take Stuart Smalley out of it? you know remove that with and you know what maybe it is replaced with a character who is at the center of some sort of self-help type of situation and not play it for comedy you know maybe they are the kind of person who you know is a a television do-gooder you know coaches people and everything but his personal home life his upbringing is uh, just a disaster and that's kind of where I would want this to go because I feel like, you know, if if there was any comedic angle to play this at, I feel like it would be inappropriate. Like, it wouldn't feel right. I mean, there's certainly a part of me that would want to see Stuart Smalley as a gambling addict and, you know, hitting the tables and go, getting out of control and and all that kind of stuff. But, like, ultimately, do I really want to see that? The idea of it make like cracks me up a little bit but like you'd
0: want to see it as an SNL sketch but not maybe. as a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And an and SNL sketch in the late 80s or early nineties.
1: Oh yeah. No, no no matter. no.
0: Yeah. So that's an that's interesting. And I'm also I can't think of any titles, but just the, the idea of that of uh, like that type of movie, the uh, you know, the professional, the one who moved away, who went to this, you know, they're this big, and then their own, like, you know, they're this expert. Uh, and the, I mean, well, kind of Frasier. I mean. Uh, yes. Not, not, enti- not, I mean, I, I think there right. are other things that are closer to it,
1: but. Right. And as much as I love Frasier, you know, that is a show that plays up, you um, therapy as a punchline way more than it should
0: more than Stuart what's that more than Stuart saves his family yeah does absolutely yeah uh yeah so I I think I I wonder I I agree with you I I definitely think this is a story that it's important for these stories to be told it's also important for them to not have a cartoonish sketch comedy character at the center of it. Even though I, and this is, I went into this knowing who like the Stuart Smalley bit and everything. So I guess it was just easier for me to, to swallow. And also just on this last viewing, having more insight into like watching other characters and focusing on other, other things just as a more mature viewer. Yeah. Caught a lot more. And yeah, I I don't see any call for remaking this. I mean, you know, and Al Franken certainly could um, reassume the Stuart Smalley persona at, at some point and could probably tone it down since it's been so many years. <laughs> but I wouldn't I wouldn't want to see that in uh, as a film. I I think a Stuart Smalley podcast
1: oh. <laughs> could, could that work. could work,
0: yeah. I mean, vi- like visually it's funny, but I don't think you need the visual story. And I wouldn't want it to be – I actually think it would be interesting if, if it was Stort Smalley interviewing mental health professionals and people who can speak to that, uh, you know, uh, like who can get information out there. So yeah. a Stort Smalley po- podcast that is geared towards – and I feel like your your producers, your co-creators would really need to focus on this – But appealing to people who either have been in treatment, are in treatment, or should be in treatment, and focus the humor on that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, I I don't think another character should play Stuart Smalley, so it's kind of like if Al Franken couldn't do it, then let's just make sure that we get some, you know, podcasts out there because those are you know free sources of information for people and you know like people who might not go for help because they don't think they they have a problem or they're afraid of what they're going to lose if they seek help like donny would lose his only friend yeah
1: yeah you know i i suppose that if there was another another angle that i would approach this at it would be Donnie centric and maybe have some sort of Vincent D'Onofrio thing where he play, he reprises the character of Donnie, but it's separated from the Smalley of it all. And, you know, it is this person who's, you know, moved on from their life, who is, you know, geez, at this point, you know, 30 years, almost 30 years sober. And we presumably. I don't know.
0: Presumably, yeah. If um, if we don't know. We really see. I, I mean, we don't get a resolution for the Smalley family, really. What we get is that uh, Stuart
1: gets his show. It's everybody loves it. And. Then we have uh, Donnie come to visit him and it ends with a big hug with them and he's introducing him to Julia and, you know, it's like a really nice moment and we can only assume based on what we're given that the relationship between Stuart and Donnie is strong and that is the, you know, the, the real core of his family is, you know, his relationship with his brother.
0: Right. But it's also it's interesting to note that a movie like this, uh, which is already kind of bucking a lot of trends and expectations, doesn't have and the dad doesn't go to rehab at the end. I think the last thing that we see him do is just storm off out of the intervention. He says he says, if this is what rehab is like, send me to jail. Yeah. And we don't, We know the sister is a single mom and yeah. has had a string of just awful husbands. And,
1: and Stuart gave her his share of the money from the sale of the house and Paula's yeah. house to help out with her son.
0: What's interesting, though, is that the positive resolution for this for the family, at least for the kids in this family, is independence from the parents.
1: Yeah. Mm hmm.
0: It, this is not a movie where we end with like, yeah, we drive ourselves crazy, but we're family, you know, it's, we're not, we're not, we're not hoisting the Corona's at the end, uh, in the, no. uh, in, in the backyard. Family. Yeah. Family.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, you know, it's a, um, it's a really fascinating movie. It can be watched and, you know, for a, for a good time. I'm sure it could be triggering for a lot of people who have had experiences with alcoholism in their family. And, uh, or maybe it's the kind of thing where it's like it, there's something about the relatability of it and the way that there is, you know, it's not played purely for comedy, it is played for, you know, sincerity.
0: And I, I think I actually did see some comments. I was looking on Letterboxd at, mm. at different user reviews. And I did I did see a couple of posts, people who, you know, show who are counselors and who show it or oh, really you know, people who who ap- appreciate it for that. I mean, again, not not for not for everyone. But uh yeah, I'm trying to think of the uh, all the other terms are coming back to my head. Stinkin' thinking. Stinking thinking. I think that Julia
1: says that one. That's just stinking thinking.
0: Yeah. Stuart, you're in a shame spiral, buddy. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Tell me (laughs) something
0: I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It was a fun movie. I really enjoyed watching it again. I don't know (laughs) when I'm going to watch it again in the future, but... uh... It's yeah. an interesting flick. So I encourage you if you're adventurous, uh, check it out. And check out the like check out the old uh Stuart Smalley sketches on Definitely. SNL first so you know what you're getting into if you're totally oblivious to the world of Stuart Smalley. So I, I just want to uh also
1: uh mention some of the other Harold Ramis films and how many of them so far we've covered. You know, because we start with Caddyshack. And I'm just talking about um, ones that he's directed. We haven't done National Lapoon's Vacation or Club Paradise, but of course we've done Groundhog Day, Stuart Saves his Family, Multiplicity. We haven't done Analyze This or Analyze That uh, or Bedazzled. The Ice Harvest would be an interesting one to do at some Ooh, point.
0: Oh, wow. I forgot he did that.
1: Yeah. And then uh, the, his final um, film was Year One, which I doubt we'll do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but no, you talk about analyze this. That would fit into our family theme. Ha <laughs> Fa- ha. Family. Familia. Yeah. <laughs> but Dan, what are we doing next? What we are doing next, uh, is a movie that was, uh, made, uh, in 2007, remade 2010, uh, British, originally British movie made by an American director. Uh, we're doing death at a funeral. Uh, I Frank haven't Goss. seen either of them and I'm so excited. I haven't either, and oh, you that, haven't really. Okay, no, no, no. I've seen I've seen parts of of the of the British one, but for some reason, I never get I, I I'm never able to sit and watch the whole thing. But uh, I I definitely want to want to try. I I other than Peter Dinklage, I don't remember uh, who Matthew McFadden is in the Matthew McFadden
1: uh, is in the. The first one, the, British the one. original
0: one, the which remake, I'm excited about. Tom. The Loms- remake scans. is like Martin Lawrence, uh, Chris Rock. Yeah, Chris Rock. Uh, Luke right. Wilson is in it. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited to watch Dinklage. both of them. Yeah. Yes. So death at a funeral, that'll be our next episode. John, anything else you want to add or any, any more plugs? I, well, I just want to say everyone should come check
1: out our, uh, T public store. Uh, everything is in our link tree. Uh, that's in this episode's description. Uh, yeah, we got some fun stuff on the store. I still have to make my, uh, DEA and Norris oh. shirt. Uh, <laughs> i I gotta remember to do that. And, um, yeah, send us an email, ruinedchildhoodspied at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And, uh, you know, if there's anything that you have to say about Stuart Sia's family or any other movie that we've talked about on the show or are about to talk about, if you want to have something to say about death at a funeral, oh, we'd yeah. love to hear it.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Dan, you got anything? Nope. That's all I got for right, for right now. All right. Well, as you are headed home
1: for Aunt Paula's funeral, I wish you a good journey. Good journey. Walked out and my world caved in I couldn't get back on my feet again I tried self-help books,
0: even meditation Search the want ads out of desperation